0: Hello and welcome to the NBA Next Podcast presented by Trek. I am Scott Allen. I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, uh, where do you want to start? We've got a team outlook for the offseason and we've got two specific players we want to focus on where do you want to go
1: right, uh, let's start with the team. I, I think it's good, good to we, we can start bigger picture and then uh, dial it in a little deep on a, on a couple different players. So I think uh, starting with the team is a great spot.
0: All right, so the team we're focusing on is the Detroit Pistons. You did a really great offseason piece to start us off here. I, I like where this team is headed from an overall roster construction standpoint, and I believe you made the same uh, kind of conclusion. However, they've had, uh, as you said, one step forward, one step back. So they're kind of stuck in the mud.
1: Yeah, it, it's been a rough season for for the Pistons. When it looked like they were going into the year, a fairly trendy pick of people. You know, everybody always wants to pick a bad team. That's like, you know, who's going to be better than everybody thinks? And a lot of people were kind of picking the Pistons. And I, I thought they'd be better better but then losing Kate Cunningham to injury a handful of other guys have been in and out of the lineup and then obviously over the last let's call it two months or so they've been focused on anything but winning games but i think it's been a position for them where it's just been kind of a lost year in that sense but it's not the end of the world this is not the worst year to be the worst team in the nba with victor Wembinyama hanging out there as a potential draftee and and those kind of things and a lot of their kids got uh some really good experience this year and showed some things that i think we can build on moving forward so despite the poor record in the lost year for Cade Cunningham there are some positives to take away for the Pistons for sure
0: yeah I totally agree with that and as I was reading and I was doing my updates this morning it triggered to me that I wonder how many games combined this team has lost due to injury or personal <laughs> or whatever it might be they were the third most combined games lost due to injury or some other factor this season from what I've been trying to track every single day of, of a season. Uh, they're they're behind the Miami Heat and Golden State Warriors for combined total loss games. So you bringing it up the whole Cade Cunningham, it's not only just him, it's a handful of other players, 15 to be total, uh, that have had injuries in and out of this season. So that definitely takes a toll on how a team can gel or progress because your lineup is different every night. It seems.
1: Yeah. And that that's really tough too, with a young team because you get in a position with, with a team that's this young where one of the things that they, they need most is consistency and they just haven't had that. It, it's been, you know, Dwayne Casey is mixing and matching and figuring it out. And some of that is, purposeful especially more recently as they've sacked guys like boyan bogdanovich and alec burks because those are veteran guys you're not going to get a whole lot out of playing them here at the you know tail end of a of a you know tough year so it's looking at different kids and different lineup combinations and sometimes you know playing you know two bigs together that likely you wouldn't have done if you were in a competitive spot but it is also a tough place to be where, you know, you lose your best player, kid Cunningham, uh, almost right out of the gate. I think he only got about 11 or 12 games in. And then you lose Marvin Bagley for a chunk of the year, who was going to be kind of a key guy. And just, yeah, all these other guys who felt like, I, I don't know what the you know ideal amount of uh, games is, where, or I guess, let me rephrase. I don't know what the amount of games with the ideal roster mix was for this Pistons team, but I know it's going to be 10 or under. That, that's definitely for sure. So, you know, it kind of is what it is, but now you turn towards the off season and you start to to figure it out and where, where you want to go uh, with, with this year and, you know, kind of how how you are going to move into the summer. And I think it's a interesting summer that was set up a little bit by, they kept Bogdanovich and Burks at the trade deadline. They said high asking prices on those guys. Nobody met them. So the Pistons ended up saying, well, you know what? We're going to keep them and we're going to move it forward with those guys as part of things. And that signals to me is, all right, this is a team that, sure, we're coming off what may be the league's worst record. But we are going to come back next year with Cade Cunningham, a year of Jaden Ivey, and a year of Jalen Durant. James Wiseman showing some stuff and we kept Bogdanovich and Burks. So now with our cap space, the idea isn't going to be, Hey, let's take on bad contracts for draft picks and assets. Let's start pushing this thing forward because otherwise there would have been no real uh, rhyme or reason to keeping Bogdanovich and Burks.
0: Yeah. This season, if you, I guess, if you want to look at the bright side, they've been able to at least play players that, may not have gotten minutes. Otherwise they've been able to experiment. They've had a pretty good mix of young versus vets, athleticism versus bigs. You know, they're, they're well-rounded. And to a certain extent when they're all healthy moving forward, like you're saying, their roster is going to be pretty deep. You know, they've, they've had those, you know, lottery picks for the last few seasons. So they're starting to uh, you know gel together. And if they can all stay healthy, Um, and and then they made that, uh, James Wiseman trade and, you know, I, I was trying to think about that as we were prepping for the show and I kind of attribute the Wiseman trade to like Markel Foltz going from Philadelphia to Orlando, where it's almost like he just needed a change of scenery, a different coaching staff to look at him, maybe just a, you know, uh, Performance coach, whatever it might be, but it seems that Wiseman is fitting into this roster fairly well. Don't don't you agree?
1: Yeah, I, I think in Wiseman's case, the he was. I've been saying this for months, and this isn't a knock on him nor the Warriors. It was just, it was just never going to happen there. He needed to be thrown into 25 to 30 minutes a game. And hey, if you make mistakes, if you blow a defensive coverage, you throw a ball out of bounds, you fumble a pass, you commit a dumb foul, whatever, it doesn't matter. That's fine. And with the Warriors, where they're trying to go as a franchise, again, back to the NBA finals, they couldn't afford that. They they just could not afford it. And I think what the Warriors hope was is, well, we'll be so good and will be up twenty points when he's in game. So yeah, if he fumbles the ball away or you know blows defenses and those kind of things, then all of a sudden it turns into all right. Well, we're still up twelve and it's fine. And the reality is they're not that team anymore, right? You, Curry and crew don't hand off twenty point leads to the bench the way they used to. So now it became all right. We need somebody who can play. It wasn't wiseman. It wasn't gonna be wiseman, at least for a couple more years. And that's why I think people who are giving up on this kid left and right, all over the place. He only turns twenty two. It's you know, a few days from now, from where we're recording this. Bigs tend to take longer to figure it out as we get into to things. I think we're now in a position where we're seeing all right, all that talent that everybody kind of loved, all right, this is what what, what this this guy can be. And on top of that, I think it also was a little bit forgotten of he has played 39 meaningful games going into this season, which was with a rebuilding Warriors team. Didn't really play in college in his one year at Memphis because of all the eligibility stuff, shut him down, then missed his whole second season with with recovery from the knee injury. So 39 games in, you know, his first two NBA years. And like, people were like, nope, I'm out. He's a bust. He's going to be awful. I could never get there with that. So I'm really excited that he's getting this opportunity to play a lot with Detroit, play through his mistakes and kind of learn here on the fly and start to figure out what he can be.
0: So that's a good transition to the rookie scale extensions for this off season. He's part of that group of Stewart and Hayes. So of those three, do you think any of them will get extensions? Will Detroit just ride this out into restricted free agency and see how another year of growth and development for these three is going to go or it, option C that I can't think of?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's pretty, I mean, I guess you could maybe trade them and move right. on and yeah. make it somebody else's issue, but that that's probably not going to happen either. So yeah, I think, the guy who is most likely to extend out of this group is probably Isaiah Stewart. Cause I think he's the one I feel most confident. We, we kind of know what he is as a player. He's probably a little overmatched as a starter on a good team, but if you bring him in as an energy big off your bench uh, on a good team, you're probably in a really good place because if you look at it, every really good team has that kind of guy who comes in and just picks up the tempo and you know bangs bodies and is going to rebound and defend and do all those things. And in a little less, uh you know, maybe overmatched at the four or the five against frontline guys, but, you know, can still give you 25 minutes a night of really good bench play. And I think that's what Isaiah Stewart is as we move this forward. So I think we're in a position with him of, all right, that's a, you know, contract where something approaching the mid-level exception amount that probably makes sense now if you're stewart you're probably thinking uh maybe i could get a little bit more and that could be where you know he may on his side say yeah i'm not going to sign that because i want to play it out and prove hey i can can get a little bit more here in free agency so that one is that one's going to be interesting to keep an eye on in the extension uh window when it opens up on july 1st now killian hayes Boy, just disappointing. Hasn't come along offensively. Pretty good playmaker, but can't shoot at all. Really difficulties finishing as well around the basket. He's just not a good scorer either. He's an okay defender, but that's a little hard to judge with this team that's, you know, most nights lost defensively. So I think for Killian Hayes, it's one where it would have to be such a low number that it probably doesn't make sense for him either, because that's the two-way street in restricted free agency. um, Or I guess the extension period preceding restricted free agency is if the number is too low, well, just say no and play it out because then you can always resign in the summertime and maybe your value is higher. So I think uh, that's where for Hayes, it becomes a situation of, yeah, we'll probably would. And then Wiseman, I think that's just still such a mystery box that you let that play out. If you're the Pistons, kind of knowing, hey, unless this guy really breaks out into being a 2010 guy uh, next season, boy, we're probably still in the pole position to you know get him signed and move forward. And if he does break out, guess what? Then we'll just make him restricted free agency in the summer of 2024, and we'll move on from there.
0: Yeah, that's the one super unique factor in the NBA compared to other leagues is the retaining the rights. So a, a player can you know stay with the team sign and potentially just be traded later on or at some point request a trade so the, the it's a, a in a way a win-win to a certain extent so you're right you the Pistons can probably slow play the Wiseman situation and, and the other two for that matter because of the restricted free agency they could match or come in and um, you know, give them whatever offer that they want, and and not allow them to to move on to another team. So, I agree. You could probably slow play those. Um, with the cap space situation that the Detroit Pistons are going to be in, do they make one big splash? Do they mix it up and try to get a couple players in free agency? Do they absorb a player uh, via trade? Because then they wouldn't necessarily have to do salary matching. Uh, how should the Pistons operate with the cap space that they're going to have? Which is um, a, a pretty good amount.
1: Yeah, they should be between 25 and $30 million, uh in, in cap space. So I think that is... Uh, that's a great number to be added it's not exactly you know getting into that mix for the uh, you know top end max free agents but those guys likely aren't changing teams anyway so that's not not the end of the world so I think we're in a spot where hey get to you know, a number if let's say 20, 30 million uh for that next tier down if you want to go one player uh that's where they go now we heard for years that Fred VanVleet could be their target all their last time he was a free agent we've heard you know maybe a little trade for for Fred VanVleet we've heard all that sort of stuff with him and it's never kind of come to fruition but there's a sense of maybe Toronto's going to start moving in a different direction with some of their guys and that, and Van Vliet could maybe be more available than than what people think. And I think if you're Detroit, if you really wanted to push in on, all right, we can be a playoff team next year. Then what you do is you move Cunningham a little, little uh, off ball, but not fully uh, because Van Vliet's never been the full, you know, he's not Chris Paul where it's everything's going to run through him as the point guard. And then, Uh, you're going to still let Cunningham get a lot of touches. Gives him another pretty good off-ball shooter in Van Vliet, a guy who can really defend at that position, still leaves plenty of room open for Bogdanovich and uh, Jaden Ivey to score. So that's a guy if you're going to spend big on, he could make sense. You could make a run at at a restricted free agent like Austin Reeves, who uh, as we do these kind of conversations about teams, I'm probably going to mention Austin Reeves with every cap space team because he just fits everywhere I, I think um, just with what he can do whether it's as a starter or off the bench or as a shooter as a playmaker whatever you need but for the most part I think if you're Detroit it's you just got to be smart you can't they and I fully recognize Troy Weaver completely different uh, front office it's not the same guys but we really want to make sure that let's not redo the Joe Dumars path and go out and sign you know Josh Smith and Andre Drummond and, you know, all these other guys when it's like, wait, what, what is happening here? Why do we have 15 guys who overlap at the same positions on this team and those kind of things? Um, You know, with that, I know there's been some buzz about maybe they could reunite with Jeremy Grant. Do they trade it away? And uh, just education pieces, because people ask, is, well, they can't because they traded him. His contract would expire. It's not that he was waived, so they could go back after him again. But that one doesn't make a ton of sense to me, not with – the current construction of this roster so i think it's mostly it's no matter who you target just has to be a smart signing that really fits versus hey we're just going after and collecting more talent and those kind of things because i think you're ready to start moving in that different direction of building a roster versus collecting assets
0: yeah i agree and as i said this team is well-rounded already they just need the experience and the game time together to actually really get that chemistry moving forward. They're, they're sort of what Memphis Grizzlies with homegrown kind of kids that they've drafted and brought in and made a couple pieces of, you know, traded for Adams and and that kind of stuff to just sort of plug and play and, and fit the needs that they, uh, to move forward, uh, is the Fred Van Vliet, conversation more because of the con uh the connection with Dwayne Casey or do you think his abilities would really fit well on a roster like this
1: yeah there's definitely the Casey connection there for sure which helps things along but I think he'd be a wonderful fit with, with this team just because they've already got the other guys who can handle the ball and do the playmaking I think any team that tries to bring Van Vliet in as the traditional Uh, number one point guard, you know, uh, old school playmaker and all that stuff. It's just not really who he is. He's much more of a combo guard despite being point guard sized. What he gives you is he can defend point guards. And I think the versatility is the plus because he can play on and off the ball. And for me, that becomes, you know, way more important than anything else. Now, I think there's another thing to consider with the Pistons too. Uh, Just, you know, whether they go for a Van Vliet type player or not. I think mean, let's see where they land in the draft. If they, you know, do get the first pick and it's Victor Wembanyama, we could potentially see another year of. All right, hey, let's slow play it a little bit. Let's see, you know, what we have with this guy and Cunningham and Ivy and Duran and Wiseman, and you know, let's just figure this out. And then that's where you know, having Bogdanovich signed to that to 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 the extension that he signed right before the start of the season that becomes big because he's then he's still a very good trade asset um i think because the pistons were so poor people might have missed just how well he played this year and you know he didn't lose any of his efficiency as a shooter at all despite being the you know a number one option on a you know tough team without a lot of talent when defenses were loading to him still had a wonderful wonderful year so that does exist but i still i tend to think it's more of hey we got whoever we get in the draft, plus all of our kids, plus Cunningham coming back, plus Bogdanovich, plus Burks, let's start moving this thing forward. And that's where a guy like Van Vliet makes a lot of sense if they wanted to splurge on one player.
0: So I've got to ask because it's always coming up now of recent. Draymond Green, to going back to <laughs> Michigan, is is that is he a viable piece on this roster? Is he going to be so polarizing that it could not be? Work well, especially with you know him working with some of the big guys, and you know his uh flamboyant presence is—is is, is that something Detroit needs, or is that going to be a detriment if they you, did go after him?
1: Yeah, I would probably skip that if I was in the Pistons. Just I'd also skip it if I was Green. To be quite honest, because I think if you're both sides, it's just a match that doesn't make sense. It, it's it's the I think for you know him, it's. That team is not a contender, and adding him isn't going to lift them into being a you know, title contender. And I don't think he wants to finish his career that way. And let's be honest, he's getting down to it, right? He's probably down to his last you know few uh, years as a you know, major major piece um, in a uh, you know free agent group or a, a title contender. So I think that's a challenge. Then you get into the idea with with the Pistons side of it is. Well, he's not a great fit when you're going to play at least one other big because you've got Wiseman and Duran who are going to be your guys moving forward at the five. Uh, So Green's not a great fit because now you've got two non-shooters on the floor. Cunningham's a shaky shooter. So now you've really got kind of three shooter, you know, shaky to bad shooters on the floor. That's going to make building a functional offense really, really difficult. So, you know, because there's not, you know, no matter how good Bogdanovich is, and I think Ivy will continue to improve as a shooter. That's not enough to lift those other guys from where, where they've been. So that's your, your challenge. I think that's one where, it sounds like a nice story because it'd be the Detroit homecoming for green and all those kind of things. But for me, just, yeah, that, that let that stay a nice fantasy story and let's, let's live in reality a little bit on both sides.
0: So the last thing I have with this team is I, I like looking at future m- money cash that teams need uh, to, to pay that's already on the, the roster. Would it surprise you if I said the Detroit Pistons were the second lowest in total cash, excluding team options, because those could be exercised or denied? Uh, They're second lowest in the entire league with one hundred and thirteen million dollars locked up from, uh, you know, from this year forward. So does that surprise you at all?
1: It doesn't just because I know the roster is mostly guys still on their first contract. It's, it's either guys on their rookie scale deal as first rounders, or there's a couple second rounders mixed in there. So that that doesn't surprise me, you know, at all that they're they're that low. I want to say uh, Bagley, Bondanovic, and I know this is excluding team options, but even if we put them in there, Burks are the only guys that weren't drafted. Um, or brought in kind of as a free agent by or rookie free agent by this team um, that are, you know, under guaranteed money for next year. So I think that's a, a uh, spot where, yeah, being that low, that's when you build a a roster that's built almost solely through the draft while they're still on those cheap rookie deals, you're, you're in a good position and even Bagley, you know, 12.5 million. I think Bogdanovich is their highest salary number, 20 million, which that's, you know, very small for, to be a highest salary on a team. So that doesn't really surprise me at all that that's the position they're in.
0: Yeah. This is a team it's, it's low right now, but it could get potentially expensive as a lot of these extensions, rookies extensions start to kick in. And uh, if they do sign them and these, all of these players actually do work out. So it's going to be interesting to see where the Detroit Pistons go from here. They've got, a ton of options as we've talked about. So I agree with you. I hope they play this smart because I, like I said, I think the roster is well-rounded. It just happened to be one of those, you know, like you said, stuck in the mud kind of seasons where, uh, you know, the mix of injuries, but a mix of experimenting and playing and trying to see what works.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. They're, they're trying to, yeah, you know, I think they made the best of it in a really tough spot. Of hey, let's get uh get this going, and you know I think it is all right where we're gonna you know force feed minutes to guys, and I think Join Casey even here in the last month where they you know kind of shut down Bogdanovich and Burks, and they're really kind of playing these you know groups of guys. He's making the best of it by, by saying. Okay, can we play Wiseman and Durin together? What well, what does it look like? What well, what about you know one of those guys with Marvin Bagley? Is that a functional lineup? And this is where you find things out that hey, remember those minutes in March and April last year when we were terrible? Well, we discovered in those minutes that that kind of thing can work and we can put those guys in lineups together. So I think that's something that really is, um, you know, cool to see teams. I know for most fans, you're going to drop out on these teams unless you're a Pistons fan, probably not watching anymore, right? So it turns into, all right, well, i'm out on them i'll catch them next year when team guys are back and there may be a decent team now i think you turn around you look at it, and say all right you know what there are things you're missing if you're not watching because they're starting to discover some stuff and that's making the best of a bad situation
0: definitely agree all right let's transition to our two players that we want to focus on here uh brooke lopez you did a most recent uh next contract series on brooke lopez uh Interesting situation for him contractually and for what it might mean for Milwaukee moving forward. Uh, you know, you, you lay it out with the, the veteran extension. You mentioned the over 38 situation, if he can sign as a free agent or with another team. What do you think is the most likely situation for Lopez? Should he do the veteran extension and, and take a hometown discount? Um, should he do, you know, go into the, triggering that over thirty-eight? Should he just ride it out and see how free agency is going to play out for him? What, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think what's funny is it's this is a ma- marriage of player and team that just really really works. It works well. It, it really is. Like, it's just one of those things where, you know, we're not, it feels like it's forever ago. I guess, you know, 2014 is a long time ago. Um, But it, like, we were in 2014, like, is Brook Lopez's career over? Like, just he, he had had further injuries. Uh, he was a big seven-footer with foot and leg issues and just was, kind of looked like he was done. Then he bounced back, had a couple nice seasons uh, for the Nets, as things kind of that, that told you know, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, everything kind of crumbled around that group. And then all of a sudden he walks in, 2016, uh, Brooke Lopez, well, let, let me go back, 2015-16, took a career-high 14 three-pointers. He walked into the gym 2016-2017 from day one, just started launching threes all over the place 387 uh three-point attempts in that season he went from being a guy who never took them to a guy who all of a sudden took over five per game played and that has been a complete reinvention and re like launch of his career where now it's like all right i know he's you know 34 years old uh gonna be 35 here on april 1st which is also, just kind of funny as him and Robin Lopez, two of the more goofy guys in the league, uh, born on April Fool's Day. Um, But we're 35 years old, and this guy is like, yeah, I'd give him a bunch of money, and I'd happily do it. So I think for him, what it comes down to is, do the Bucks value him, and are they ready to say – yeah, you're our guy, and we're going to keep you around. And that doesn't mean, you know, I know people then go to like, well, you know, are they going to give him a max deal? We don't need to be silly. But I think if you hit him with, hey, here's a pretty reasonable, you know, offer, um, you know, to bring you in at, I, I think then you kind of just say, all right, let's go. And there's, as I laid out in the piece on the site, there's a couple different ways you could structure this to, all right, you know, let's do it a little bit differently where we, Let it go into free agency because then we could really front load the deal and give him the same basic money. They just kind of play it down from there. Or we could, you know, sign him today for the money. The over 35 rule does become a complicating factor for him because it does make things a little, a little tricky as far as, you know, what he can actually get and not deferred money. And I tried to do, I, think a decent job of laying that out to explain the way that works in zero years and all that stuff. So I think they're in a position where the bucks, as long as they don't play games here, they really do value Brook Lopez. You get him resigned. You keep it kind of moving around a team that is in a position where they should still be pretty good in contenders because you've you've got Giannis locked up for three more seasons. Well, yes, two and then a player option after this year. You got Bobby Portis signed. You got Pat Connaughton signed. My guess is probably Drew Holiday. Um, we'll maybe look at some form of extension because he's got uh, only one more guaranteed year on the roster. We'll see what happens with Chris Middleton as a free agent this summer. Um, so I think you're in a position where, yeah, let's get Lopez signed to a reasonable number and let's keep this thing moving forward.
0: Yeah, I agree that they are a match made in heaven. Lopez has, he has time on his side. You know, he can, he has until June 30th to, to do an extension before free agency hits. So, you know, if, for some reason the Bucks end up getting and winning the championship this year. That may change his mentality of all right, maybe I'll just take a discount because I really like this team and I want to yep. run it back and not necessarily hinder the overall finances moving forward for the team so they have a little bit more flexibility. Or he could go to free agency, get what he can out of the Bucks, or, you know, dabble in what another team might give him but again it seems like he's found his fit and this is where he potentially wants to be he's he's a big the bigs are you know as we know wishy-washy in the nba they either, <laughs> they either work or they don't and you know in memphis Stephen adams i know i mentioned him before already but he seems to have found his niche in memphis and they extended him a couple times brooks seems like that kind of guy for this team and from you know, a, a well-rounded roster, he just fits in well. So if the Bucks ended up losing him, I think that would be a huge hit to them and they would have to pivot somehow. Um, you mentioned with the over 38, as I read the piece from an educational standpoint, with the deferred money, you mentioned the uh, 26, 27 year, if it was a four-year deal, would be a zero, $0 cap hit 14 million would be the actual salary that he would make. So from if he were to sign that contract, is there any implication in that 26 27 year from a tax standpoint? So does the 14 million go against the tax or would it be a zero tax hit since the cap hit would be zero?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. What happens, so these zero years, which is essentially why they call it a zero year is because it's it's a year with no cap or tax hit. Um, But it gets a little complicated because as we get closer to that zero year, if the player's still playing, what then happens is they continue to constantly kind of Refactor the money, um, and the player still gets paid everything that they would have gotten paid, uh, you know, no matter what. Which is, you know, in this case, roughly what I think I laid out was about fifty-two point six million. But what happens in that situation is you end up in a spot where, with Lopez, as you approach that money, would go back on the books, um, because what they do is they say, all right, well, it should have been this but guess what? You're still playing. So now we're going to move it to here and now we're going to move it to here and now we're going to move it to here. And they continually refactor that as you, you close in on those years. So it's, it's generally one of those things where how teams handle it is, they just don't give out contracts that extend past 38 because it's, Hey, we'll go year by year at that point, because it's just too, too, too complicated and too messy. And it really Becomes a mess for them in their long range planning as a team. So, so I'm very curious to see my guess is It doesn't really come into play with him because I think he'll probably only do a two or three year contract is most likely at this point. But if it does that zero year, yeah, that does become a complicated thing because it starts out as. It's effectively not there, but then if he's still playing as we approach that year, it could become something where there could be some money that hits both the cap and the tax at that point.
0: Yeah, and that's—I know it's so far out to really think about that, but if some of these players do do extensions again, you know, when Giannis gets to that point, Middleton potentially, Holiday, as you mentioned, they could be approaching that tax threshold or exceeding it quite a bit at that point. So it it may not seem like a factor now because of how far out it is, but it could become a sticky situation depending on how the next three years goes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think this is one where this is going to be my guess is when, which they're right in the middle of right now is CBA negotiations. And we're coming down to, to the next, uh, I, I'm I'm putting air quotes around deadline because it's, it's really an artificial deadline that both sides continue to keep moving back and keep moving back. Um, but as we get, get down to it, my guess is we're going to come back and the over 38 rule might be the over 40 rule. Now it keeps moving back. It used to be over 35. Then it was over 36, then over 38. As we see these guys continue to play, better and better later into their their careers. There's very few players that are just hanging around now around 38 years of of age or older most of those guys that are that age and older they're still pretty good and i think you know what the league is saying is like hey we have to continue the league and the players association it should be fair to both sides they're saying hey we need to adjust to this we need to you know basically say hey let's continue uh you know looking at this because we don't want to penalize players or teams because they're still good at age 40 and you know, still productive guys. So I think, you know, we'll see. Cause that's the other thing that that's a little up in the air with all of this, and it's gonna come in with the next guy we talk about too, is if they change up these extension rules drastically enough, it's all gonna be completely different. Um, you know, with, with all this stuff moving forward.
0: Yeah, you're right. If the extension rules change the uh, uh even the the Tax thresholds get altered, the salary cap going up. However, a lot can change. This new CBA that they're working on could potentially change the landscape of how some teams operate, Mm -hmm. especially moving forward. So it's going to be interesting to see. And when that stuff does come up, we will definitely be talking about that and diving (laughs) into that for sure. Absolutely. Um, So with, with Detroit, we talked about future total cash excluding team options they were second lowest. Where do you think Brooklyn or excuse me, Freudian slip here? Where <laughs> do you think Milwaukee stands right now from an overall standpoint of the league in that same sense?
1: Yeah, I know like this current year they they're pretty high. I would think going into next season uh because Chris Middleton comes off the books for now uh cuz you take out the option factor they're probably middle of the pack if i had to guess probably you know somewhere in that
0: dead middle 15th (laughs) yeah so they're pretty healthy from that standpoint they don't they're not really locked into too much moving forward they have that flexibility i was kind of surprised by that i thought they were going to be a little bit higher but once i actually thought about the teams that are above him it made above them it made more sense so they're actually looking pretty well from an overall roster construction financial standpoint. So I'm really interested in seeing where this team goes because they just seem to be making smart moves, whether it's spring Bobby Portis back making the trade for drew holiday to fit in there. They just seem to be clicking on all cylinders and it's showing right now. And with being the top favorite for winning a championship again. So I, I really like this and I really, me personally, I would really like to see Brooke Lopez stay on, the milwaukee bucks just because he seems to fit really well and i like seeing rosters that just gel together they have fun they are able to game in and game out win so i i hope he's there for the long haul i'm with
1: you on that one i i like continuity of rosters when they're good when it's continuity of teams that are just kind of sitting in the middle and they they just keep bringing the same guys back. I hate that. That's the thing I probably dislike most in, in roster building. Um uh, but when a team's good, yeah, keep it together. Keep keep it running. You know, keep things moving uh forward. Now what's gonna be interesting with the box, this is my last kind of thing on this, because this is tangentially Brooke Lopez related because he's he's on the box is um I think we're in a position where what we could see with Milwaukee is uh They've got a new co-owner coming in, uh, Jimmy Haslam, who's got uh, reportedly a lot of money, and that could be something that could become a difference in. All right, well, we had to let you know players X, Y, and Z go because it was getting too expensive. That could turn into all right. We're we're good now. Let's keep it, keep spending, keep it rolling, keep this group together. So that's going to be something to monitor here over the next uh, uh, you know season or two as well.
0: Speaking of keeping the roster together. Jalen Brown is the the next player we want to talk about because he's been in the spotlight with on-court production. Now coming back to the forefront is his contract situation, which you wrote about, a, what, a year ago at this point? <laughs> yeah, it's almost. Um, yeah, it feels like it. So as I thought about this, the, Boston is in a very interesting even more interesting than the Brook Lopez situation from the standpoint of you have two alpha players, one that has already is in his extension. Brown had an extension, but he can really uh, tap into 50 million plus if he hits this all NBA. I mean, we're talking 50 years, $290 million contract. So from your, from your perspective and i know you cover the celtics deeper than anybody right now what is the path for boston and jalen brown is he going to be on this team is it something where sell high and move off of him and let another team deal with it what do you think
1: yeah so there's it's an extremely complex situation that i think can be really boiled down to something very very simple which is Jalen Brown is not going to sign a standard veteran extension. He, even taking all of the all NBA stuff out of the mix that leaves way too much money on the table for, for him. The most he could get on that now is 165, uh, you know, 0.2 million in that spot. If he was to, um, you know, resign with the Celtics, even taking all the other stuff out of the mix, you're talking 250 million. Um, that yeah, that's without any of the designated player language or any of that stuff. So that's how, right, well, we're going to take that completely out of the mix because that's just not going to be a thing uh, for Jalen Brown. So what happens now as we get into it with him is if he makes all NBA, he becomes immediately eligible to do the five year 290 plus million dollar extension that's 35 percent of the cap that's the so-called supermax. that's just you know the, what everybody calls it it's really the designated veteran extension so he would jump the 30 percent salary tier go right to the 35 percent um, the conservative projection right now is 143 million for that year so that's just over 50 million in first year salary totals out to 290 uh, plus million dollars. Here's where it gets super simple. Jalen Brown makes all NBA because he's not going to win MVP. He's not going to win defensive player of the year. But makes all NBA this year. Celtics offer him that extension. If he says no, that should be red flags, warning lights, you know, sirens, everything go off, and you have to trade him. Because at that point, he becomes basically the only guy other than Kawhi Leonard to turn that down and say, I'm out. Um, I don't want this. I'd rather be somewhere else. And Kawhi's situation was really a weird and kind of different one. So in this case, got to move forward. Got to move on from him. Got to get what you can. Not, it's not get what you can. It's not, you know, take, you know, you know, three quarters on the dollar or anything, but it's, you know, you should get a massive haul for him and get that done in a trade. Because again, nobody turns that down like it or not. And for me, it's, I don't hate it. The way it works in the NBA is take the money when it's offered. Then if you're unhappy a year or two in, you ask for a trade and you say, I don't want to be here anymore. Trade me, move move me along. Um, Why I don't hate that is teams can trade players as soon as they're eligible and nobody bats an eye. It's like, well, a team has to do what's best for them. Well, the players should do what's best for them too. To me, it's, I always say uh, loyalty in the NBA it's not a two-way street. It's two one-way streets that run parallel to each other until their interests no longer matter. Then they split and they diverge and go go a different way. Um, with that, so it's for for Jalen Brown, if he makes All NBA, Celtics are going to give him that five-year, two hundred ninety million dollar offer, and he has to he has to sign it. And if he doesn't, they have to consider consider trading him at that point.
0: Yeah, and that's with a. Projected cap of 143. So, if for some reason that cap by 2024 goes up, that <laughs> 290 could get close to 300. Sure. You know, w- it, with media rights deals or whatever else, you know, whatever influx of cash comes in, that's going to yeah. shift that projection because that's obviously a, a conservative projection because we're still two seasons out from that. um So, yeah, we're
1: getting very, very close to $60 million a year average. Uh, yeah. Contracts coming. Yeah. Mean, we we're, we're a matter of two seasons away, probably, uh, from seeing the first handful of those come into the league.
0: Yeah, in his off off court comments of sort of you know dragging his feet, being generic of not sure that that's an interesting. Maybe I'm reading between the lines too much on it, but it's that, interesting coming from him knowing that. This potential status of all NBA and signing a five-year max contract is is looming. Um, so I agree. If he does not sign it, that's huge red flags, and you need to trade him immediately and let him go deal with another team because obviously that's a, a sense that he does not want to be here long term. Mm-hmm. If he's if he does sign it, how from your your experience, how is Tatum going to feel with that? Because he's going to be only making 34 and 37 during those years from the extension that he already signed. Whereas, and you know, Brown is going to be at 50, 54. So is, is there going to be a, a, a bashing of heads as far as I'm making more than you, or I'm alpha one I'm now the alpha a and you're Alpha A2, how's that going to work, you think, from a a locker room standpoint? Yeah, I don't. Just overthinking it.
1: Yeah, I I think that's overthinking it too much because I don't think, I think in the current structure of the NBA where where max salaries are basically, you know, they're limited by the CBA um, language, I think guys get it that it's like, hey, you can only make X amount there's this isn't uh you know michael jordan Scottie pippen stuff from you know third god you know 30 almost 40 years ago man i'm getting old um it, it is not a uh that situation where it's like well you know he makes 10 times what i make you know and that's not fair because you know i'm he's not 10 times the player and those kind of things it just doesn't really exist anymore i think you know tatum is and should still be you know fairly bitter that a you know lack of an all nba vote for him uh coming off his rookie scale costs him a good chunk of change in his current extension but i think tatum gets it as, hey mine's coming you know i'm a, i'm i'm gonna just there's probably no real world where unless he really falls off or there's an injury and i'm gonna knock on wood now um to jason tatum that uh it is He's not an All NBA guy. I mean, he's an MVP candidate. Uh, you know, still, you know, lesser one now. He's dropped off as the year's gone on, but he's someone who will be in the mix for those kind of awards. So I think if you're Jason Tatum, what you're looking at is, hey, my time's coming, and then when I sign, I'll then again be the highest paid guy. It's just a matter of Brown's got a year on him in the league, and Brown's eligible now. Tatum isn't, and I don't, I don't think they'll let that bother him. What I think is more interesting to really think about is you would be looking at in 2024 let's say jalen brown is super max eligible and signs it you would have on that team um i'm gonna do some quick math here because i think it's you know kind of an illuminating point you would have and this is just in guaranteed salary never mind filling out the roster and options and all this other stuff $169 million in guaranteed salary for seven guys. Brogdon, 22.5. Brown would be on the roster at 50. Al Horford would be in the final year of his two-year extension at 9.5. He's the cheapest one, by the way, at 9.5. Smart, 19.9. Tatum, 34.8. Derek White, 19.3. Rob Williams, 12.7. $169 million for seven players. Even as the cap and the tax goes up, that's still you're talking a all time astronomical tax bill that we've never seen the Celtics even approach. But ownership has said we'll pay and we'll pay for a winner. So this is where all right, you got to hold them to it, because otherwise you're going to be in a spot where you're going to start to bleed talent. and You won't be able to make up from that the way you want to.
0: Yeah, this team, when you look at their multi year view, they, they have a lot of guys locked up long term. You know, yeah. like you said, Horford, Brockton, Smart, White, Williams, Jalen has twenty three, twenty four, and then Tatum has uh, a few years and then that player option. So from an overall roster construction, their core is pretty much locked up. It's mm-hmm. just do they want that window to close on the Jalen Brown situation or do they want to extend it and keep this core together in, in quotes? Cause we know how fluid trades and all that are. So some of these players may not even be on the roster in two years. Sure. Um, but I, it, it's fascinating because so, some teams like the gold state warriors, they kept their core together. They move forward. Then you get some other where they didn't keep the core together. Oklahoma City, where Durant left, Westbrook ended up leaving at some point. Harden, they traded off. You know, they they sort of closed that window pretty quick because of being the small market team that they are. Boston, I think, they're, they're, they're back where they need to be. It's just, is that Jalen Brown piece, is the financial aspect going to hinder that team too much? Or are they just going to swallow the pill and say, We'll 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 sign this extension and we'll see where we are and how we're going to have to operate in three years and just deal with it then because we we don't know what that financial landscape is going to be that far out with the CBA. How long is the new CBA going to be? You know, it may not Mm -hmm. be a 10 year deal. It may only be a five year deal like the Major League Baseball ended up doing. They didn't do a super long deal. It could
1: uh, also be we could see the standard extension rules change. Enough to make it viable to, to sign that's one of the things that has been Talked about a lot is you know what if We instead of so being So limited in what you can Offer a player in a standard veteran Extension what if we got more loose With that more free that could Free things up to sign Brown to An extension uh, if he didn't make All NBA but is, is things Thing stand today if he makes all NBA And the Celtics do not offer him The full amount that they they Can they'll Dude, that's an unforgivable thing that will never be be something the fans will will forgive or anything. That'll become a thing where the fans will say, "Yo, we're out and it They will be absolutely livid because at that point. All you're doing is saying that's too expensive for us, and that's where Celtics fans and Boston sports fans they're not going to stand for ownership. You know, starting to say we have to have to operate like a small market team. Uh, I've seen over years and years and years that's something the Red Sox get killed for all the time. Is you're one of the most valuable franchises in the league, then it comes back to look. If you don't want to spend, then sell the team and sell it to somebody who will. So I they're going to offer Jalen Brown that, that full supermax, if he's there, then it just becomes, is Jalen Brown going to sign that or not?
0: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the Red Sox. Cause I was thinking that, that they, they didn't want to pay their superstars. And now their superstars for the most part are gone. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd hate to see the Celtics end up like that after the success they had with the doc rivers era, Garnett, Pierce, Allen. And so th- this sort of could be, that ask but obviously the financial money is what we're talking about here and that could be that detriment it'll be interesting to see if he does accept it or not because that's going to be the talk of the town not only in boston but in all of the nba if he declines that Uh, Mm -hmm. but that's but that's a lot of money to say no to and then go (laughs) into free agency and not be able to come close to it because you can't do the five-year deal with another team so um. Yeah. It, it. This is a fascinating situation, and it's not going to go away anytime soon.
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is, and we we're, we're not going to know the results of that all NBA vote for quite some time. So that'll be something that, you know, it's funny, I said, you know, Celtics fans are going to go through the stress of a playoff run, which is, you know, that's good stress to have, right? Because you're you're in the postseason. Then I think you're going to run into a uh, spot where you're going to have a whole different kind of stress waiting on all NBA votes. And there's going to be a lot of people, you know, looking at straw polls and everything else. And there's already a push of, hey, Jalen Brown's a forward. Everybody vote for Jalen Brown as a forward. So he doesn't get caught up in the uh, you know real uh, wash of a very crowded guard line so a lot of stuff to be decided there uh, uh, down the stretch here both on the court and off the court for the Celtics
0: all right this was fantastic a way to start our podcast here um, a lot of great information what do we have to expect coming up between you and I and in spot track and the NBA world what do we have
1: yeah I forward think we got some really cool stuff planned. So, uh, is we get into the off season previews. We, we, we go by order of elimination. So we're going to have the Houston Rockets coming, uh, the San Antonio Spurs, the Charlotte Hornets, as we record today, remarkably with only 12 game days left in the NBA season. Those are the only four teams that have been eliminated, um, from playoff from playoff contention, which is absolutely wild. We'll get a couple more teams here over the next uh, handful of days. Uh, we'll get knocked out too, but just, you know, what a crazy season this has been. So yeah, well, we'll have the, the Rocket Spurs and Hornets coming uh, for offseason previews and other teams. We're going to continue with the next contract series. I, I, I'm not exactly sure who we're going to go with next. We did a little bit of crowdsourcing and some people through some interesting stuff. Sometimes we let the news and players who are in the news kind of drive that a little bit. So we'll see uh, where we go with those guys. And then you know we've got all of our free agency stuff happening we're we're working on uh free agent rankings this year around um th- this year really fun i uh I'll also say maybe a little crazy on my part. I'm going to write a blurb for all 200-plus potential free agents that are going to be out there, just a little bit about each player and uh, all that. I've I've watched film on them. I've done some studies. I've talked to people around the league to understand them. Uh, We're we're sorting free agents into tiers. We've got a role tagging coming. So eventually, if you want to know, what does a rim-protecting big man make? Well, you'll be able to pull it up, and we're just—you know—it's all—all as I put it the the other night. It's—it's it's all in the best effort to understand contracts and roster building in a better way, and super excited to share that with everybody.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for the free agent tracker because that's a huge upgrade that has been needed, um, and it's something different that we aren't doing in any of the other leagues right now. So I'm interested to see how how well it's taken where we rank them, we drop in the tiers and you adding some more. I mean, we've done the analysis. Mike has done that with the NFL and some major league baseball kind of stuff. But to the extent that you're going to be dropping in for all the players and having a little blurb is going to be great Um, content for people to to just dive in quick snippets of each player. So I'm looking forward to working on that. Uh, That is my project as you send them to me. I'm going to be working on getting those in this week um i'm looking forward to our our draft tracker and draft pick um mappings that we're going to do to try to formuli formul, formulize a way to make it more readable for people to understand i know that is a long term project that we've sort of started on but i'm i'm looking forward to that because it's something that's been on our Radar for track itself, because we really don't have a great way of tracking the uh, draft picks in the NBA. I know you have to go to other places, so we want to make that a, a place here that you can go and see as easy as possible. So I'm looking forward to that project. Um, yeah, I'm
1: excited for that one too, especially as now it feels like 90 of them get traded at every trade deadline. It's like, (laughs) you spend spend the day, the weeks and months after like, wait, who owns what picks now? And, you know, so that's going to be cool. And and I think, uh, having seen snippets of what, what you have planned is really neat because Scott has done a, a, if, if you're more, uh, if you like to read, um, and understand through verbiage, you'll be able to get that. But if you're a visual person and you want To see it there that's going to be even cool too That you'll be able to really visualize it and see What it looks like and some of these picks are You know I mean they're getting complicated These teams are with you know if this Then this or this or this Or this or this and you know that The picks that are protected with you know Sometimes now three and four uh, You know versions of pretty used to be for a long Time it was like lottery protected or Not and that's it and then now it's like Well there's top one two Three protected and then in the second round it's even crazier so i think we're in a spot where we're going to see some really cool stuff uh coming that'll help you know we we want to make it you got questions about rosters and you know transactions and all that stuff uh, pop on spot track it'll all be right there for you
0: yeah and hit hit keith up on twitter at keith smith nba if you have questions that you want answered on this podcast or you have thoughts that you want us to potentially tackle from a financial side, let them know. And we will uh, try to fit those in. Maybe we'll have a mailbag uh, at the end of uh, a pod here or there if we start compiling that kind of stuff. Uh, Keith, any last thoughts?
1: No, I'm super excited that we're launching this and getting this going. I think this is a great place for you and I to nerd out on these details that, you know, I know <laughs> we both love. And then I think that's going to be cool. And I th- think, uh, you know, people who get into this stuff will hopefully find this really, you know, an enjoyable listen and, you know, nerd nerd out with us here over the coming weeks and a lot of cool stuff coming, uh, you know, that we'll be able to get into. I think we're launching this at the exact right time ahead of free agency. And, uh, you know, what should be another really fun off season in the
0: NBA. All right, for Keith Smith, I'm Scott Allen. Thank you for listening to the NBA Next Podcast.